Hey everyone, it's Alec here. This weekend, my brother and I were at the Washington State Summer Con, having an amazing time getting to interact with all kinds of cartoon and anime fans, so we did not have time to record a Gravity Bros this week. However, we did release our first episode of a brand new podcast called Expedition Cartoon, where we decide whether or not a cartoon world would be great or terrible to live in. So we're going to give that one to you this week, but Gravity Bros will continue on its normal bi-weekly schedule going forward. Just wanted to make sure you know we're still here, episodes are still coming, and we're excited to get back into it. But until then, check this out, and if you like it, please follow Expedition Cartoon wherever you listen to your podcasts, just like this one. Thanks. Bye. Ahoy, mateys! Welcome to Expedition Cartoon, where my brother and I explore the vast and beautiful worlds of animation for the perfect place to call home. I'm Captain Alec. That over there, you can't see because this is an audio podcast, is my brother, Captain Lou. And today, my friends, is the maiden voyage of the SS Tune, which is a ship, ship name that I just wow. decided on without consulting. I was literally going to make that joke like, wow, we did not talk about the name of the ship. <laughs> you know, I also thought about two other things. The Anna Machine or, or the Toon Voyager, which Toon Voyage was the original name idea for this podcast. The Toon Voyager actually sounds pretty good. That I like that too. Really I'm going to tell you what, uh, we will keep it open for now. Name of the ship is subject to change, but the most important thing is that we are kicking off what is personally my most passionate creative endeavor that I have pursued since my brother and I started doing creative things. Uh, some of you may not know, if you're uh, brand new to uh, what what we do, uh, we come from a YouTube channel called Jester Brothers Cartoon Theater. We are real brothers. Um, we do a lot of videos over there. We've also done a Gravity Falls rewatch podcast. Basically, we just love animation and we love getting to explore it in different ways. I thought there's no better way to explore it than literally exploring the animated universes, which we have come to love as we've grown up. Absolutely. I'm excited to use this as an opportunity to really talk about the culture and you know, environment, both in a physical and metaphorical sense of all of the different places that we come to know and love. It's going to be such a wonderful opportunity for us to talk about this. I'm really excited. Yeah. You know, Lou, right now, I feel like in our material world of Earth, especially the United States where you and I happen to live, uh, a lot of people are kind of deciding to uproot themselves and move to places where they feel like maybe they are going to have a more enriching life. Right? Yeah. So, I think that's part of what gave me the idea. What if we were just, I guess, house hunting, like uh, HGTV style, going to different worlds across the animated landscape uh, and, and trying to find the one that maybe fits us the best. And along the way, like I, I'm sure this podcast is for sure going to go from whimsical to deeply philosophical really fast in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, and I'm here for that. I, I mean, could you just give a quick intro of who you are, why the philosophy thing is something that speaks to you, among other things? Um, you go first. I'll follow your lead. All right. Happy to. So, uh, Lou and I both come from social science backgrounds. I happen to be a sociology guy. So very basically would be the study of society. I wouldn't oversimplify it, but that's more or less what it is. Right. And I love thinking about the places that we live and the places that we feel, uh, I guess are the most optimal and why they are the most optimal and things like that. Uh, 
you know, beyond that, I'm just a person who's loved animation my entire life. We had very imaginative parents that sort of had us grow up with everything under the sun. So there's going to be movies that we talk about from the past, the, the present. You know, we watch a lot of modern animation. Um, and I also play a mean xylophone. And for what it's worth, I worked for Walt Disney World for 10 years, which I think is a fun fact that some people enjoy knowing, especially in this world of animation. Yeah, and that, that'll come into play. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm Lou. Uh, I like long walks in the park and uh, long runs, actually. I was a cross-country runner for a very long time. Um, but the, I guess the history that's the most pertaining to, to here, um, I got my degree in philosophy, my undergrad degree in philosophy. And uh, as Alec was saying, we just grew up in a really artistic household. We've, you know, kind of had a love of uh, animation and stuff from a really young age. I, I think Alice in Wonderland is one of my first films that I remember growing up with. What's one of the first uh, films you were animated films you remember seeing as a child? You know, definitely Peter Pan. Uh, and it's funny that you okay. thought, so I feel like Peter Pan and Alice are both worlds that we will be exploring yeah. in the very near future. Wonderland and Neverland are both some of like the most well-known, beautiful animated yeah. places from history. Exactly. Uh, so, and, and, and even if those aren't the first movies we saw, those are the ones that stood out to us the most. So that gives you an idea of where our minds are at in terms of, uh, you know, creativity and animation and stuff. Um, I had a very creative experience in college where I was getting my philosophy and then I got my, uh, master's in arts, uh, marketing as well. Yeah. So I know everybody's going to be here to have fun and just enjoy the landscapes of these different cartoons. Uh, but we are definitely taking our job seriously. We want to know oh, what yeah. really are the best places to live. What are the goods and the bads of these places? Is there a yeah. show that we absolutely love that we would never want to live in in a million years? Or potentially yeah. even vice versa? Uh, yes. You know, I just feel like there's limitless potential here. It's going to start off as a 10-episode pilot. And if it takes off further than that, which I really hope it does, because this is the most excited I've been about one of our ideas in a long time, uh, then we'll go from there. Uh, but today... The very first world that we are going to be talking about is the world of Avatar, The Last Airbender. So I guess I kind of want to explain to the audience how we're going to be doing this, right? Because throughout animation, there's going to be some places that we go that are next level metaphysical, completely out there, probably don't have a single human. And then there's going to be ones that are a little bit more realistic. They're more based in our earthly reality and tone. And... Oh. Our ship has something called the Reality Bender. So we have a nozzle here that's going to control just how far we push our reality to fit the tone of the world. And for Avatar The Last Airbender, I think this is interesting. How I want to approach it most of the time, and Lou, you're welcome to approach it differently, is to kind of walk into the experience of our main cast of characters that tend to be there. Uh, but... Oh. This is a place where, if you wanted to, you could probably walk in as a sky bison or, uh, you know, what one See, of the uh, air uh, Yeah, I'm, I probably am going to assume that I'm not going to be stepping into the protagonist's story most of the time. Sure. Uh, but will, do, you, do you think you'll be mostly stepping in as yourself as you are right now? Or do you think that could shift? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say a warped version of, I, I will try to, I, I liked the example that you gave when we were talking about this, which is um, if anyone's played Kingdom Hearts, how yeah. when, uh, you know, when they go to the different Kingdom Hearts worlds, they kind of like, you know, they, their costumes, they change their powers, I guess their powers technically don't change, but 
my powers would change. So I, I don't, I don't want to just end up being like a basic human in whatever place that like, I want to end up having a chance at whatever, you know, catering to the ableistic norms of whatever society we are currently <laughs> throwing ourselves into in general. Sure. Well, and part of that's also going to be the age, right? The main cast yeah. of Avatar The Last Airbender are technically children. I think I'd be okay with this one staying my same age. I don't know if you would feel the the urge to go younger. I kind of want to know my own memories and be myself in the truest way in a place like this because I think it's so deeply philosophical that I don't you know, necessarily I, know if I'd want to go backwards or forwards. It's going to have to depend because if we're in a world that's like really like it's mostly just people, I'll be like, oh, I'll probably just play it like myself. But if I'm like turning myself into a completely foreign alien creature, I might have to play it differently. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Sure. The one thing that I'm going to mess with on our reality bender nozzle here is that I want to take on the powers of a waterbender, which is one of the amazing things that can happen in the Avatar oh. world. Oh, so you're deciding this now. You're incarnating. So wait, can we, can I, we're choosing our character? You're going to be uh, a waterbender. I would say I'm walking in as a waterbender and I'll explain why as we get to the world. Okay, okay. But this is less about the world, more about how you resonate in the Avatar universe, correct? Sure, the version of myself that I would want to walk in here with if I were to call it home, if I decided I wanted to inhabit it. And I would say that's subject to change if we just have a great discussion and suddenly you're like, no, I actually want to be more of this type of thing. Okay, okay. I'm going to keep my mind a little open to that one too. I I'm not sure yet. Not All sure. All right. Well, that's fine. The, rea the reality bender is here to well, it's actually kind of funny. Reality bender, water bender, it sort of just uh, writes itself. At least yeah, for the first episode. I, I like reality bending powers, please. Can I be that one? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. So we are now going to take off. Can add a little thing there. Thank you. Actually, that's probably better than any sound effect that I can make. <laughs> well done. Well done. Wow. Uh, Land Ho! We have made it to the world of Avatar. And I'm really excited about this specific place. I would call Avatar one of the most beloved animated worlds, or at least series. And in a sense, it is Earth. But we have some, some major areas here. We have, I, according to the Avatar wiki, it's Earth. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Okay, I don't know anything. I could be wrong. Um, and... Beyond that, though, it's not exactly Earth-like in every way. We have four nations, right? We have the water tribes uh, through the north, the northern and the southern water tribes. And also the foggy swamp, which is kind of an offshoot of water bending in another area yeah. of the world. Uh, oh, we really had quick. We sure. should note that we are doing the Avatar Last Airbender specific timeline. So this is yes. not factoring into the geography that gets established in Korra, or before the lifetime of our main cast. That's a great point. This is the timeline of the Hundred Year War, and that is a very important fact to establish here, because uh, I think yeah. it's going to affect our uh, feelings about whether we may or may not live here. Um, in addition to the, the Water Tribes, we also have the Earth Kingdom, which is the largest continent. It's run by the Earth Monarch, um, which is, according to the wiki, a confederate monarchy. There's the Fire Nation, run by Fire Lord Ozai, which is an absolute monarchy. A uh, lot of people here are being trained for war, but there's a lot of beauty in the Fire Nation as well. 
And we have the Air Nomads in theory. However, they've been wiped out. It's, um, you know, this former nation led by four councils of monks or nuns. And at this point, the literal title of the show, The Last Airbender, uh, it tells you there is one left. You know, I always thought that it's a pretty sad joke that we have all of these different political regimes. And then we're like, and then we have the peaceful nation. Oh, awkward. Yeah, it didn't work out so well for them. Oh, no. Yes, oh, oh no. <laughs> so, so uh, Lou, I know that you have a lot of love for this world. I think that what makes me so excited about the discussion about Avatar is sort of this idea of water bending, earth bending, fire bending, air bending, right? Yeah. And sort of the elements at play that sort of drive the way that these societies work. And oh, yeah. I think a lot of the decisions that are made by the people, it's like their bending is a part of them emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, I was thinking about that. There's a cultural connection that seems to be in each like you know each nation in the, in the bending that tends to be done there and it makes sense you know it's kind of like how a lot of different cultures you know the art that they tend to consume a lot of has a lot to do with their mindset you know what i mean and i think that like having these different you know spiritual and physical practices being integral to your culture shape how you approach life and it's not only like what power you want in my opinion but like what vibe you would want to be not just in terms of the people but their entire way of living you know oh yeah no i mean i think that's an excellent point um and i i guess something that's important to mention with that too is that you do see this distinct divide between these four people and i think that in a place like at least america i think there's a lot of cultural spillover where somebody oh, can yeah. sort of identify with a lot of different places, not necessarily feel like they're part of one thing. But this is a very clearly split society. Fire yeah. Nation is very much one thing. Water Nation or Water Tribes, one thing. And Earth Kingdom and, and so on. Um, and there's also with that a lot of class divide. Your lot in life is extremely based in where you are, just like the real world. Yes. Uh, yes. And, I, you know, that's certainly a piece of this, too. Yeah, so one of the first things that I'll probably end up thinking about in a lot of these is, you know, what are the, <clears throat> if you roll the lottery of life, right, because it'd be nice to choose where I would want to live in these places, but if I'm thinking about, like, if I'd really want to live there, if I'm rolling the dice and I'm seeing if I'm just getting lucky, you know, yeah, what is the world like? This is actually based on a, a thought experiment by Rawls, if anybody's interested in philosophy at all. Um, so in Avatar, keep in mind, you might get born not as a bender, which is kind of like being born disabled, I would say, in this society. Yeah, um, there's so much value put on the people who are able to bend. And we see that from one of our main characters, Sokka, who cannot do it. And he is yeah. treated like he's kind of incompetent. And he spends yeah. a lot of time trying to prove himself that he is yeah. competent enough to hang without bending. Yeah, and even in the Korra series, we see that explored in a little bit more of a political of a dynamic. Um, but, you know, in this series, it's not touched upon. So you're, you're kind of just like at the mercy of a lot of other way more powerful people. There are societal structures in place that it's like, it's not like so scary and dangerous like some universes, though. Um, so I feel like it's 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 dangerous, but it's not like crazy chaotic 
unstable, disastrous, dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, it's still pretty human civilization. It's pretty normal human dangerous, honestly. <laughs> it's standard oppression problems, you know? Sure. And I've thought about this. We are definitely going to have varying levels in this podcast from escapism to realism. And yeah. I do think that... Uh, that's such a fascinating discussion just in the first place, because a lot of people would come to a podcast like this to a lot of cartoons because they do want escapism. They want there's something about yeah. it that makes them want to feel like they're in another place, which is part of the fun of what we're doing here. But a lot of these worlds are very real um, with Avatar. I do. I don't even want to say it's somewhere in the middle. I do think it's maybe skewing realism, which I don't think is oh, a yeah. bad thing because they make the world that is realistic incredible in a lot of different ways oh yeah yeah i mean i think there i mean so much of this is just commentary on you know human civilization and how society is structured like uh, i think that there are some pretty clear allegories being drawn by the fire nation as well as with bossing say in the earth kingdom and how bureaucratic it is hey, you know, hey, I hey. Think... there is no war in bossing say whoa i said bureaucratic there's no war i didn't mention no war what are you talking True. about? There's definitely not a war in Bossing Say. There's definitely not a war in Bossing Say. I'm sure of it. Um, and because of that, that seems like a nice place to be, right? No, I'm just <laughs> Actually, can we talk about that? Because Bossing Say, Bossing Say is this place within the Earth Kingdom. And I believe it might even be the capital. And they're their people have been led to believe that there is in fact no hundred year war going on and light spoiler alert, which I will say there will always be very light spoilers in these, but we're never going to spoil anything major. Um, yeah, th there is in fact this hundred year war going on. So <laughs> there is in fact uh, a war and these people are living <laughs> oblivious to it. And the people yeah. at the top are very creepy about it. In my opinion, like there is no war in bossing say, um, yeah, but the people who are living it, they do in a way have this, I don't want to call it a gift, but they have a piece of blissful ignorance that they're living with. They don't have to deal with the harsh realities because they simply don't know. And oh, I think- the, Hold on now. I think you're sure. forgetting about how much like poverty we see in the streets of the lower rings of Ba Sing Se. So that's an incredible point. Uh, it is not I as simple as- like, that's a majority, because the people that you're thinking of are, like, the upper ring people. Because remember, there's, I mean, this is America, right? Yeah. <laughs> you've got your extremely small upper ring. You've got your a little bit bigger middle ring, where probably you've got that class of people that are like, ah, like, shit's hard for me. But there's no war in Ba Sing Se, so we're chilling. Um, yeah. And then you've got the people on the outside of the wall that are like, uh, 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 you know, yeah, there's no war. Everything's fine. Please don't do anything else to mess up my life more than it already is. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good point is beyond the blissful ignorant part of this ignorance. Part of this is just the reality that a lot of people are living in poverty and a war really isn't what they're concerned about because they're just trying to live their lives and not die. Yeah. It's America. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there are allegories that you can draw from this. Uh, I, I feel like there's a couple pieces at play here that I'm interested in talking about. Because the simple idea of, is it better to just not know something like this? In a way, you answer the question. You might not know about the war, but you're still going to have 10 other things that you're going to have to worry about in your life. Yeah, like the war is directly impacting your life and you're 
going to experience problems as a result of it happening. So, I mean, honestly, that's just like your central nervous system not being able to detect pain in your foot. It's like, yeah, it's nice that I can't feel pain, but when it gets gangrene and an infection and it falls off my leg, yeah, it might be a problem. I, yeah, in fact, true. So, Bossing Say in the Earth Kingdom, in my opinion, are one of the most beautiful places that we see in the Avatar world. Um, yeah, they're it's pretty well pretty. curated. Um, it's actually the uh, city of Omashu that I would be the most interested in living in the Earth Kingdom. Omashu is definitely cooler. 100% uh, agree. And in my opinion, the coolest thing about Oma Omashu is really just this... The slides. Uh, if you want to call them slides. I think it's they're supposed the to be like mail shoots, but they're so huge and vast and the kids can just ride yeah. down them just like our yeah. main character Aang did when he was younger with his best friend. I would absolutely also want if if I if I had to choose Earth Kingdom, which I would not because of all the political stuff that we're talking about, I would definitely go with the slides. Yeah, Omashu's great. For, uh, for fun, but no, but I I since we're on the Earth Kingdom, I like how we're doing this. We let's go let's go kingdom by kingdom or sure. location by location, shall we? Yeah. Um, I think that I would not want to be in Bossing. Say I don't want to be in an Earth Kingdom deal because of the political craziness going on um not that there aren't pros that you would you know like not that there aren't good things about it um but i'm living in that now i don't want more of that that's it's a like, great point it would be just like moving back into a suburb even if i got the middle class area it'd just be it'd just be this it'd just be where i'm at right now i'd probably end up trying to stream <laughs> Sure. Something you know? that I do think separates the Avatar Earth from the, the human Earth that we live in right now uh, is probably just the deep level of philosophy and spirituality uh, that covers, I think, the entire world. Though, if we're talking in a literal sense, just structurally, I do kind of agree with your point that are we really going to a place that's all that different from where we are if we're choosing Earth Kingdom in most places? At least Bossing Say. I, I mean, Bossing Say to me was like, is definitely just like all of the the bureaucratic problem elements of America, and that's what I like about it. Like, it's I'm I love that part of the story because it demonstrates that so well. I mean, like, dude, for, oh my gosh, don't you remember? Is this show was airing? Oh wait, were you watching it when it was airing? Oh yeah, sure was. You and I okay. both. You remember Appa's Lost Days, dude? Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, that was one of the hardest times to be watching a cartoon growing up because there was this huge chunk of the story where Aang was really depressed and, like, everything in Bossing Say was so frustratingly bureaucratic, which most people in America are going to have to deal with for the next 15 years of their lives. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, oh, God, and you're, you're watching them just be set after roadblock after roadblock and they can't find Appa and all of these things are happening and you're just so frustrated. That's what I imagine living there would feel like. Just bureaucratic, just like living in America. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> so, no, th that's interesting. Um, I think in that case, I would be interested in turning our attention to... I'm going to actually go with the air nomads because you talked about appa and i'm interested in this appa of course is the last remaining sky bison and momo is the last remaining 
Airlemer. I think that's the correct name. Uh, so are you saying that, that, like, in this scenario, we would live as one of them? I mean, I think that we would have to, which I think puts the Air Nomads uh, a little bit lower on the list. Um, right? Because... I, I guess in theory, we would have the potential to enter as remaining uh, air nomads, and then that could, in a way, bring them back. And then Aang would no longer be the last airbender, and then we would really be messing with the entire plot of the show. Uh, <laughs> so I, well, I, don't, I think that there's there's issues with the logistics of actually choosing this one, but the idea of the air uh nomads is something that i do think is a little bit different from what we're used to it's more along the lines of what you might see uh just through monk philosophy in uh more asian countries and i am more drawn to that kind of thing i just don't think that it's realistic to enter the world like that in the hundred year war timeline i will say if i got to create my character this is how i do it I'd be an earthbender living in a cave in one of the northern or uh, southern air temples and like doing the whole meditation guru thing to just to try to like study up on on stuff. Um, But in all honesty, like, you know, regardless of how you spin it, I think being in a war torn, isolated place isn't my vibe. I think I wouldn't want to do that. I'm actually surprised to hear you say that you would want the isolation in a place like this. Is that because of the world of Avatar? Or is that just generally your preference? Um, I feel like that's just the only way to make that place work. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes you sense know, to me. <laughs> you know, like, if you if you wanted to choose to live there, you'd have to go into it with the intention of I'm self-isolating. And, you know, I mean, you've got the, you know, the guru, you know, nomad culture so you can study or that and i feel like that would be a cool thing to base your i mean don't get me wrong that is definitely way up my alley i i will think about it but for me it's it's the isolation that i don't know if i'd want to live within that world you know i'd have a huge problem with that because i as much as i respect that way of living and there's so much that i find fascinating about it and i meditate a lot like there's a lot of that that genuinely i try to apply in my regular life i'm such a social person i would have an incredibly difficult time uh moving oh into a God. place with no other people i think i actually just discovered where i think i'm going to live i think i figured it out i think i've got my answer uh, we're not going to get there for a minute but i think i think i have my answer and i'm actually really surprised so all right we'll, we'll, well keep going <laughs> Is there any more time that you want to spend on this Air Nation? I mean, I guess it might be worth describing a little bit. We don't get a lot of it in the show, uh, but we we get a chance to see Aang, our main character, see his home. He's coming back from a well, long time away. We we actually are overlooking one temple because there is one Air Temple that has a civilization living there. They're not Airbenders, but remember the um, North. It's one of the directions. <laughs> One of the four directions, there's an air temple. Don't you remember this episode where Aang goes there and there's a bunch of people there and they're using technology to, um, you know, kind of like make air gliders and stuff like that. There's there's a whole mess of people living in one of the air temples and they're pretty much just like pretty easygoing industrial folk. Um, yeah, well, again, there's, there's the four there. There's the four air temples. Do you remember right. the, the four? There's the north, south, east, east and, and you yeah. Know. Um, yeah, the, the one that Aang was from... I'm not going to pretend to know which direction any of them were from, but there was the one that Aang was from where we saw the people that had died. There was the one that they camped out at when they met Zuko. Um, remember that part? Uh, yeah. And then there was the 
other air temple where they ran into the guy who was building the war balloons for the fire nation. Oh, I remember him really well. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that that, that was the other. Uh, so that's the one that I imagine if you wanted to incarnate, actually, you know what? That would be kind of a cool place to live because you're, you're around the people who have the technology of flight and you can fly. And it's okay. like way, even if you're not a bender there, that place was actually creating technology for your life to be pretty awesome. So you'd be happy there even if you weren't a bender? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Nice. Because you could end up doing some cool air stuff, like that kid in the wheelchair. Uh, oh, that's right. Ah, he's he was great too. I don't want to get too into all of the individual characters, but the Water Tribes. I think this is an interesting conversation because the Northern and Southern Water Tribes, uh, they're different. both... They're both waterbenders in theory. Actually, I think uh, our main character, Katara, may be the only waterbender from the South. But yeah, yeah, there's such a completely different tone, despite them more or less, you know, be, they are the same tribe in a way. Or not the same tribe, but wow, you know what's interesting? They're almost completely different when you really think about it. The waterbenders oh, yeah, sort of brings them together, but you That's almost can't. Tribe. It's north and yeah. south. It's just like how the air air temples are different too. Yeah, no, I, I guess that's true. I think it's easy to contextualize a lot of this as just four things because when you think of Avatar, you think of the four elements. Um, oh yeah, no, the, this, the political breakdown is more complicated because even Omashu and uh, Ba Sing Se have completely different rulers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, they're not related at all. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that's a good point. I guess having King Bumi as your king would be pretty lit. Oh, for Omashu. Yeah, King Bumi is another one of the great characters from the series. Yo, maybe Omashu is the move, actually. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's not a bad choice if you've got to pick one. Um, yeah, okay, okay. I'm, I'm thinking about Omashu. I'm thinking about Yeah, Omashu. now, but the Water Tribes don't have any kind of a monarchy with a king situation. They have tribal chiefs uh, for yep. each of the North and South. Um, and they also kind of worship these two major spirits of the moon and the ocean, which I yeah. really love. Yeah, I think uh, politically, this is my favorite governmental structure that I'd want to be a part of. I think that I would agree. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, because I'm all about, like, I think communal living and, and like, having a system where your people feel like they're very involved in the success and going on of the society is a way that makes it better. Because you have a sense of unified investment in value in that society and it creates a sense of moral equality and consideration within your society that is like just uh, you don't get that in a hyper individualized like really big you know nature um nationalized society you know what i mean yeah definitely um so there's something about that like small communal thing not and the northern water tribe is still pretty big um but it, you still get this sense of like Everybody seems pretty invested in how everything is going because everyone's role matters a lot, you know? You know, something that I really do value when I'm looking at a place to live is sort of a place that feels as though they do have a strong community tie. And I like that about the Water Tribe. I like that yeah. regardless of whether they're in this rural little Southern Water Tribe or they're in the vast Northern Tribe, it's almost like the difference between it maybe being in Anchorage, the capital of Alaska, versus one of the rural villages in Alaska where it's it's cold, but they sort of like build a huge society around one place, and a very small society on the other. Um, 
Yeah. In both cases, like, I think I would be proud to be from the Water Tribe. And I think that a lot of the people that they have there have really wonderful values that I maybe uh, like about myself. You know, I've talked about how waterbending is what I would want to do. Uh, and I would be probably a waterbender healer. And a lot of that's just because I think that's sort of the type yeah, of uh, energy I give. Oh, that's cool. So so you're feeling, or you think you'd want to live in the Northern Water Tribe then? Honestly, I think that it's where I would fit the best and I ultimately would be the happiest. I think I'd be, I'd get tired of the cold eventually, uh, yeah, but I can yeah, make yeah. it work. Totally. Okay. I like that. I would not still. Okay. Still not water just because uh, A, it's cold and that's a bigger deal for me. <laughs> no, uh-huh. ah, too much ice. No, thank you. Um, but I, I think that it's 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 isolation is something I wouldn't want to deal with. I, I really like feeling closer to accessibility to travel. Well, there's uh, no more isolation than the snow. <laughs> Took you a second, but you got there. I'm proud of that. Uh, I was trying not to laugh. It's not that I didn't get it. Good. Well, uh... I might be losing my mind here, but you haven't given us the direction you're headed. Are you interested in the Fire Nation as a place to live, perhaps? Well, first, I want to say we still haven't talked about the Swamp Place, which is very interesting. You're right. I think that is worthy of discussion. Um, The Foggy Swamp. Yeah, on the lines of waterbending. Yeah, and I believe that technically their powers are defined as waterbending, but it's a lot different. It's sort of like almost a dialect. If you want to think about bending as a language. That is a very cool way to describe it. I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, these guys are kind of how you might think of Cajuns in America. People who are yeah. uh, sort of like from the New Orleans, Louisiana area. And they are like really just kind hearted, chill people. Uh, maybe some questionable choices, but you really root for them. They're hicks. They're they're really pure-hearted hicks. <laughs> I think that's a nice way of saying it, yeah. They're really pure-hearted hicks. And I like pure-hearted hicks. They're really <laughs> nice. Um, I think that that would be one of my favorite places to kick it, would be with those guys in, in the swamp. I'm not going to lie. That sounds really right. cool. Yeah, um, I'm glad that we gave them their time. I think that's important. I, w- I wanted to bring it up, because it does seem like a sick little place to live. Um uh, I think, is that all of the other like little side allocation community? There might be other small ones, but we don't really need to get into those. Sure. Yeah, we don't have to get too far in the weeds here. Um, there are lots of Fire Nation towns that we see. Um, we see like Ember Island. We see obviously like the Fire Lords, you know, headquarters and that whole like military area. We've got where the festival is. We've got the town that Jet was staying in. We've got the town that uh, the Painted Lady incident happened in. So we see a lot of the Fire Nation. Um, I guess we see a lot of Ba Sing Se too. We, we kind of glossed over. One important thing about Ba Sing Se that might actually change my feelings now that I think about it is that is where Uncle Iroh's tea shop is. Oh, that goes a long way. Uncle Iroh may be Lou and I's favorite character of the whole show. Yeah, so that, that's an important thing to remember and mention. But but so so then onward of that, I know that the Fire Nation people are probably really like suppressing other nations. Yeah. 
But the way, like, let's say, like, I wasn't in the indoctrination period and I was just living there and I kind of got past the whole education system is really shitty. Like, in all honesty, like, that fire festival looked pretty cool. Um, You've been there's to fire a lot festivals, of, in fact. I, I actually do spin fire and I like fire a lot. And, um, and I think that there's kind of a, an appreciation and regard for, like, art in the Fire Nation, because we even see it with Sokka's teacher in the Swordmaster. There's sort of a reverence for flow and art in the Fire Nation, and, and I kind of love that. Yeah, you know what's funny? I think when people think of the Fire Nation, if maybe you're somebody who's seen Avatar, but you haven't really immersed yourself, or it's been a long time, you the th first thing you think about is probably the war side of it, right? The military, uh, you know, I, or I guess the militaristic yeah. nature of the Fire Nation and Fire Lord Ozai and all of that and uh, the anger from Zuko, the main character, I would say, of the Fire Nation. And you forget that this is a beautiful place. And if you take yeah. the war out of it, like, it, it would probably be pretty high up on the list of where you would want to be. And if you remember that episode with the, the Firebending Masters where... Um, light spoilers for a hot second skip a few seconds if you don't want to hear this one detail you know ang and zuko go together to learn from the origins of firebending from the dragons and you know we learn that fire is not only a element of destruction and chaos it also is a spark of energy and beauty and movement and flow and there's like you know there's more to it than that there's this complex beauty in all elements and things and even destruction has its own beauty and I think when I look at the overall like cultural zeitgeist of the whole show and I look at what goes on in the Fire Nation and how I would want to fit in society, I think that the character that we meet in the Fire Nation when 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 Aang first tries firebending, I forgot what the guy's name is, but the firebending master. You know the one I'm talking about? Yep. The one who starts to teach him. I'd want to be him. <laughs> okay, that's fascinating. Like, so, straight up, like, Order of the White Lotus member living in the Fire Nation. Like, wow. that is exactly right. what I would want. So, do you actually feel that way, though? Because we are talking absolute monarchy. So, even though the place is beautiful and they have a lot of good values, their political system, you know, is very totalitarian. I don't know, man. I live in America and I do what I do. So, I feel like I could probably make it work pretty easy. Listen... It, that may be a reality. I think I would still be losing. I would feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in a country that's doing all, like it is literally starting a war to try to take over the rest of the world. That's that's a step too far. You feel that way now? Um. Well, okay. Not not <laughs> in the same way. There are I mean, literally not quite four to major... That extent? Not quite. Not quite. In Avatar, in Avatar, there are four major nations, and the Fire Nation's literal goal is to go in, take over everything, and kill the, the Avatar, which is another okay, important piece of this world that we haven't gotten into yet. And we are walking We're in with this knowledge. We're, We're walking in with bad. this knowledge, Lou. And I think that that's important to remember because we have the... Uh, we do not have blissful ignorance here. Like, we know what's going on. We know who Fire Lord Ozai is. I have too much context to be comfortable m moving into the Fire Nation in this timeline. Uh, you know, if it's Korra, maybe that'll be another discussion for another day. But as of this timeline, I don't think I could do it. 
See, the, I, I, I would want to because there's also an argument for like, let's let's talk about like cultural change, right? You're way more likely to do something there than you are somewhere else. Dismantle yeah. from the inside kind of mindset, right? Okay, it's, I see what you mean. You might be able to make a world of difference uh, in that way. Yeah, because you have way more access to technology and travel and ability. Like the the privileges of the, I mean, this is honestly like the argument for like, you know, fighting for change within an industrialized oppressive society, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is a difficult thing to do. But that's why I love the role of that character so much specifically, too, because that's exactly how he plays it, you know? Sure. Well, I want to just take a second to talk about characters because you talked about the way that fire can be beautiful. And the way you said that, it reminded me a lot of Uncle Iroh. Uh, You know, this wise character who he does represent how fire is beautiful and he's from the Fire Nation and, you know, his brother is Fire Lord Ozai. That's a light spoiler, but it's, um, you learn this very early on. Yeah. And of course, his nephew Zuko is the son of Fire Lord Ozai and has a lot of angst. And Iroh's patience in the face of, I guess, the, the the other side of fire, the destructive side. It just shows me how much respect he has for fire and the world around him. And I'll, I'll tell you this, if it meant getting to have tea with Uncle Iroh, it would be hard for me to reject the idea of living in Avatar. I I would go there just to have that one oh, yeah. cup of tea and one discussion with this man. I would live here. I would live here absolutely too. And and I, absolutely, I agree. And on the note of Iroh, that's one of the, another thing like, emotionally i don't know if i'm a firebender like i don't know if my personality type fits firebending as well as it might air or water or my desire as much as it my desire because i think earthbending would be really sick too yeah. but the thing about firebending is i feel like it works really well for me in in especially in how iroh thinks about lightning bending because iroh remember is like oh i studied the disciplines of water so like just because you use a specific element doesn't mean that your flow has to be a certain way you can you can i almost said spin fire you can uh, bend fire like a waterbender you can bend earth i can think bending earth like an airbender is probably harder but i'll bet it's possible um you know and and i like that that i love that idea of just like living somewhere and being against the grain is something that i like I'm thinking of it less of where I would want to live in, you know, a culture, like become part of the culture and more where I'd want to live and like fight for something, you know? Well, talk about living against the grain. I want to talk about Toph, um, who is our our great character from the Earth Nation who comes to join the main cast of characters. Uh, She's blind and is just one of the greatest characters in animation, period. Absolutely. Um. I feel like Toph is somebody who I would love to be friends with if I was in this world. Um, oh, though yeah. I don't, I don't know if she would uh, have as much tolerance for me. I think I would almost be like Aang, trying so hard to. Ah, uh, she just call you Twinkle person. Toes. You'd be fine. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So I guess I was kind of wondering if we did find ourselves like stumbling into this main cast, and we don't have to really go deep into every character. Um, I guess, um, where would you land with this? Are the characters that you'd be excited to interact with that you think you would get along with? I mean, I'd want to do Order of the White Lotus, 100%. Like, I'm I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna pretend like I'd be there because that's a pretty huge statement of <laughs> to say of yourself, in my opinion. But that's where I'd like to be. That's where I'd aim to be, you know, an agent fighting for peace amongst a bunch of old wise people. That sounds cool to me. 
Yeah, I, I get that. I, I really just, it's funny because your interest is definitely more outside of the main crew. You're thinking of this more like, you know, if I were to move to this world, I don't see myself as a main character. And I think I'm actually admirable. Uh, oh, I mean, I don't care who the main character of the story is. <laughs> yeah, you're really just thinking this is where I'd fit. Um, and, and that's awesome. I mean, I think about it in terms of, gosh, I would love to interact with so many of these people that I loved on TV. Like, well, but those are the people I'd want to interact with still, is the is the Order of the White Lotus members. Those are the ones yeah. I'd want to have tea with the most. Sure, and you know less about them, uh, a lot of yeah. them. So uh, there's like, something I'd interesting. Love, like, I could talk to Sokka's Swordmaster for hours. Like, I just know it. You know, you really could. Uh, there's so much deep philosophy you could learn by being here. Like, oh, my God, yeah. we don't have a lot of people like this to talk to where we're from, I feel like. And the world of Avatar draws me in in that way. There's a lot of wisdom that I would just want to suck in like a sponge, you know? Yeah. You know, I think there might be more out there than you might think there is. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's true. Uh, I will also just say Katara and Sokka, some of our other main characters, I would yeah. absolutely get along great with. Again, I, I see myself in the Water Tribe, so um, I Katara's also one of my favorite characters. I want to talk about Aang, because Aang is the main character. He is the Avatar. And the oh, yeah. idea of this world is that we have an Avatar who is supposed to be the master of all four elements. And I guess per prophecy, he's also be supposed to be the one who keeps the world together. And oh that is would a not really, want to be that guy. Yeah, this is a huge part of living in this world is the reality that there is pretty much one all-powerful being who is said to keep the world intact. And I think that's something we have to talk about. I mean, I don't know about keep the world intact. I think his role is more supposed to be a, like, liaison between, um, oh, oh sh I, I forgot like, about this. No, 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 I have point. not. I have not. That's next. No, okay, because this is where I might actually end up living. I forgot this. I, for, sure. I maybe haven't chosen yet. This is the transition. This is the transition. Okay, so, so finish your finish your thoughts about Aang and the liaison between what? Yeah, so the liaison between the material and the spirit world. Um, and, you know, so because of that, he's... I don't think that he's supposed to be, like, an all-powerful, like, dominating being that controls the fates of good and evil. Um, I mean, we see it explored a lot more in Korra, but I think he's more just supposed to be, like, function more of a, or they, I should say, um, function more as the role of, like, the big poles of yin and yang, like, balancing good and evil, you know? They're a huge force of good that balances the evil. I think it's more yeah. like that. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. I feel as though this world puts a lot of faith into one being. And sometimes I actually question, is there too much faith put in this avatar? Uh, at least in this series. Do we feel as, I, I guess in this case, yes, the whole crux of our series is that we do need the avatar. But is that the case every time? Because the avatar comes and goes. When the avatar dies, a new one comes in and they uh, start in a different nation. I do find them important because of the spirit world connection. But I guess as somebody who's walking in, I'm like, well, we're really putting this person on a pedestal. Uh, I well, wonder about that. I mean, I think the show addresses that pretty directly because uh, Aang was gone for a little bit, if you don't remember. 
you remember. It's and a good point. Yeah. The reason why everything was was because he was gone for a little bit. Um, so because of that, I think that it <laughs> I think part of the moral was like, yes, we did rely on him too much, but you're kind of not wrong. He also is the reason why it got better. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as it turns <laughs> out, yeah, in this world, you do, I guess, sort of need the Avatar. Now, we have not seen every timeline. There have been many Avatars that have come and gone, and maybe some with varying success. I think I'm very excited to know that uh, the Avatar universe is being expanded soon, that we are getting more series beyond Korra and more movies, because I do Same. think there's such a world to explore, not just through history, but even through this timeline alone and the amazing wealth of great characters that we have. We get more of the spirit world in The Legend of Korra, uh, and that's a bigger deal in that series. So what we see here is a little bit less, but we have enough context to know that the spirit world, if you were to move there, if you're not going to the material plane, and we have a lot of luxury here with the reality bender, my friend, if you feel like the spirit world is where you want to be, which I think you're considering, would you go in as a spirit? Would you go in as yourself? what role do you feel like you would play? Is it is this really a place that you would want to be? Is it too far separated from the material world? Ooh. Oh, no, 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 no. Get me out of the material world. That's not <laughs> an issue. Um, but uh, what role I would play is a more interesting question. I hadn't considered that one, actually. It's, it's just... I feel like, if anything, I'd just be embarrassed because I would just be like a, you know, I would just feel like I'd be like a child, you know, like I'd show up and just be like, wow, wow, wow. And everyone will look at me like I'm really dumb because they've been living there their whole lives. You know what I mean? So, but what, Yeah. So I guess I don't know enough to know, even know what my function would be or like what role I would want to play. I mean, I'd be happy to be a spirit involved in the nature of anything, really. And that just sounds like a good job. I'm in, I'm generally invested in the field, you could say. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the evidence does come from scenes in Korra because we do see more of the spirit world in Korra. And what we see of it in Last Airbender is pretty desolate looking and very, like, weirdly ambiotic, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. ambiotic, I don't know if that's a word, but... Um, it almost, in a way, the tones are depressing. Is that too far to say? I wouldn't say depressing. I'd say eerie. They are almost okay, weirdly eerie. You're right. That's better. Um, I, maybe part of that is like just showing the discomfort of not having a physical form and having to not have one. And you know, I mean, that's why people like leaving your body and dying is kind of a scary concept. Or um, the discomfort I mean, of just something that's so foreign to you that you know, yeah. almost uncanny valley-ish of oh, what is yeah. this that's so different. Well, and, and not everything about the spirit world is, like, heavenly either, you know? Like, we have Ko the Face Stealer, which is freaking scary, you know? Right. There are, like, there are some weird demon-like spirits as well as there are really cool ones. You know, maybe it'd almost be cooler to visit the spirit realm on vacation. That Hey, listen, that is a really legitimate point. I even, in, you know, my current home have been thinking lately, you know... Is there a difference in living in a place that's more like vacation versus home? And I think for us, a real world example would be the Hawaiian Islands. You go to Hawaii, you love it. Is that a place you would really want to move or do you want to visit? I would not want to live there. And I would not either. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, 
if you were to move somewhere else in the Avatar world, not being the Avatar yourself, I think you might struggle to visit the spirit world. That might be a problem that we might run into. Oh, you're right, because they're not allowed to travel. I was like, oh, if I was a spirit, I would just travel everywhere. I'm like, no, you're not allowed to go back to the material plane. You, They're separate. That's part well, of the and whole the thing. And opposite, the material plane, unless you are the Avatar, you're not going to be able to come back in. So you sort of have to pick a side, unless you well, are the you Avatar. Figure, you can figure out how to do some spirit plane mumbo-jumbo. That's that's man. Sokka figured that out in the desert one time. <laughs> All right. So if you wanted to visit, then maybe that's your way in. <laughs> um, I can't believe I got to work that joke in organically. That's so funny. Now, <laughs> I feel like we have hovered around this a lot. So I kind of want to, at the end of these episodes, reach a verdict and first be, you know, if we were to move to the Avatar world, where would we go? And is it really where we want to be at all? So where do you feel like you land? I'm going to start because I feel like mine, people already know. I would go to the Northern Water Tribe. I would want to hang with Sokka and Katara if they ended up back up there, which I think maybe... Uh, I, I don't honestly remember um, where they end up, but I oh, yeah, I love the water, the sea, the serpents, um, just this vibe of blue and beauty. Wow. Just, there's something about it that just sucks me in, dude. I, I love the tide and water is always called to me in every single way. I, I can heal people wow. with water bending. I'm like, I would be so over the moon to be part of the Northern Water Tribe. Wow, over the moon, what a proper way to phrase it. Ooh, that's right. The moon and the ocean, two major spirits. Man, I'm terrified of the ocean. Did you know that? I did. Yeah, that's why you won't yeah. go on a cruise with me. No way. I will. That, that's one reason. I, I also just don't want it. Like, cruises are just, like, medical disasters, too. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about, I'm not about, uh, not about the ocean. That's scary to me for some reason. That's just mm -hmm. too huge, too big, too little me thrashing about helplessly in isolation okay okay so it sounds like the water tribes are not your jam uh what yeah. is what do you feel like you have an idea of where you'd go i i really think that i, I hate to say it but like even though you could argue that the fire nation is more suppressed than bossing say in the earth kingdom i think the the bureaucracy i hate bureaucracy it's so frustrating i'm such a i love moving quickly so slow things really piss me off i think i just get really <laughs> frustrated um, I love the role. I think I would really want to be like, almost like how Jet is or like how, not, not, I, let's not take that a little too far, obviously, but, you know, in terms of being like a vigilante in, you know, the Fire Nation, I, I think I'd like to live in the Fire Nation. There's a lot of places I would want to fight against their industrial habits. I'd probably, I'd be an environment. Don't take this out of context. I'd be an environmental terrorist in the Fire Nation. Oh my goodness. That is a sound clip right there. <laughs> All right. I'm so totally joking. Lou has I'm decided totally... on his end goal here. Uh, if he lived in Avatar, he'd be an environmental terrorist. I mean, that's essentially Nation. what Jet was, right? For a little bit. Uh, sure. What's What's your real answer? No, I mean, I wouldn't be an environmental terrorist, but I really would be like, I would want to be like a vigilante in the Fire Nation. Like, you know, like living in the trees with like, even though Jet is a bad example, like imagine that whole band of awesome kids living in the trees didn't go really badly and they didn't attack a bunch of civilians for no reason. Like 
that is the kind of thing I'd love to be a part of, you know? Like, oh, ragtag group of people living in the trees. Like, yeah, I'd also like to be a firebender, so I might get maybe ostracized, but I'd deal with that. That's fine. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Also, there is a world where maybe you could be a bender of one type in a different place, which isn't something that's explored much in at least Last Airbender. Um, I'd still want to be a firebender, though. Cool. I really would. Uh, Well, I love that. It makes sense for you being a literal fire spinner. Um, I love it. I I think it's safe to say that both of us would be willing to live in the world of Avatar. This isn't something that we would yes. uh, skirt away from. But yeah. in our next episodes, every time we travel to another place, we are now going to decide, would we yes. move from the world of Avatar to our next location? And next yeah. week, we are going to be traveling to the Pokemon world. And oh my Gosh, that's going to be a tough one. It is. So we will have to make a choice. Are we going to be leaving Avatar to go to Pokemon or will we stay put until we visit our next location? And audience, we want you to be thinking of this same thing because you are on this ship with us. This is a journey and you are welcome to sort of identify with a place just like us. Think as we go along this journey, where do you want to end up? Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, we have a link in our description for our Discord, which is Jester Brothers content. We would love for you to join us there. I'm going to be opening up an Expedition cartoon chat. Talk to us about what you would like about living in Avatar uh, and whether it's a place you would want to be. I'm going to uh, also say that as a passion project for me, this very first episode, if you're still listening, five-star reviews anywhere that you're listening to your podcast go such a long way. It there's such a big opportunity in the very beginning for reach. And if you could share this, uh, if you love this, if you're like, wow, this is such a cool concept. I want to hear more. Send me your recommendations for places that you want us to visit. All of that. Mm -hmm. We want the community to be involved here. Uh, I think that this is a really fun adventure that we're on. And I want to thank everybody uh, just because I'm so excited to do this. This means so much to me. Uh, And Lou, I, so happy that you're here with me on this. We've done so many things together and I'm really proud of what we've created. So thank you. Absolutely. This has been dynamite. I've been really enjoying this too. This is going to be a fire series. I totally, a fire bending series, if you will. A fire bending series. I'll make it. All right, Let's everyone. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. We will see you all next week in the Pokemon world or in two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, Pokemon world. Got to catch them all. Gotta catch them all, Pokemon. Pokemon. It's you and me. Uh, uh, it's you and me. I I forgot the rest. You, you go to the next part. I know it's my destiny. <laughs> well, okay, but it's not, I don't have the Pokemon. music. Pokemon. I, I can't dance without music. I can't sing without music. I need the, the, the cues. You're my best friend in a world we must defend. <laughs> Pokemon. Got it. Thank you. Yep. Bye, everyone. That's so true.